0: The following is an Encore presentation of Everything Everywhere Daily. Computers have obviously transformed our world. You wouldn't be listening to my voice right now if it wasn't for computers. However, the first computers, a device which could perform arbitrary calculations, actually came well before electronics. It was made of gears, cogs, and levers, and it was able to perform mathematical calculations as well as run simple programs. Learn more about Charles Babbage and his analytical engine, the world's first mechanical computer, on this episode of Everything Everywhere Daily. This episode is sponsored by ButcherBox. Summer is right around the corner, and that means cookouts. No matter what your preferred food is for a cookout or a barbecue – Butcher Box can help you make it the best. If you want to serve up some hamburgers, Butcher Box has grass-fed ground beef to make the perfect smash burger. Want to cook up some steaks? Well, Butcher Box has that too, with some of the best cuts of steak such as New York strip, ribeye, and filet mignon. Do you like grilled chicken? Well, Butcher Box has some of the best pasture-raised chicken that you will find anywhere. And if you really want to wow people at your next cookout, you can try grilling some of their wild-caught salmon on a cedar plank. You've probably heard the expression that necessity is the mother of invention. This too is the case with the creation of the world's first computer. I should note what I'm talking about when I say computer. In a previous episode, I talked about the Antikythera Mechanism, which was an ancient geared device that was found in a shipwreck off the coast of Greece. The Antikythera Mechanism was a type of computer insofar as it could predict astronomical events years in the future. However, it could only do that one thing it couldn't be programmed, and it couldn't provide different outputs based on different inputs. The Antikythera mechanism was a sophisticated mechanical device, but it was more akin to a clock than a computer. Charles Babbage, the subject of this episode, was a pretty smart guy. He was a mathematician, an engineer, a philosopher, and an inventor. Just to give you an idea of how smart he was, he held the Lucasian Chair of Mathematics at Cambridge, which was also held by the likes of Isaac Newton and Stephen Hawking. In 1811, Babbage attended Cambridge and found that he knew more about mathematics than his professors did. And in 1812, he founded the Analytical Society. He became a member of the Royal Society in 1816 and was also a founder of the Royal Astronomical Society. Astronomy at this time was highly dependent upon tables for the locations of planets and stars. These tables were filled with values that were created by what were often very complicated calculations. If the calculations were off, sometimes even by a little bit, It would render the tables and the astronomical observations worthless. Babbage had the idea of creating a device that would create flawless calculations. These calculations weren't just a theoretical or academic concern. Astronomical observations helped determine time and location, which was really important to a country that was heavily dependent upon its navy, like Great Britain. In 1822, he finished a small prototype machine that could do simple calculations. With this experience in 1823, he wrote a paper titled, The Theoretical Principles of Machinery for Calculating Tables. This paper can be thought of as the beginning of the field of computer science. After the success of his paper, he set about creating this device, which he called a difference engine. He applied to the British government for money and was given one of the world's first government grants for technology of 1,700 pounds. With the money, he hired one of the best machinists in England, Joseph Clement. The machine, which was designed by Babbage, had 25,000 individual parts. The initial design of the engine could calculate 20-digit numbers and 6th-order equations. Nine years later, they had a device which could work 6-digit numbers and could solve 2nd-order equations. They only had about a seventh of the original design completed. By this time, Babbage and Clement had blown through 17,000 pounds of the government's money, and the project was halted. The device they created wasn't bad. Doing calculations up to six digits was about the limit of what most people could calculate by hand. But Babbage still wanted to be able to calculate out to 20 digits. He set about designing a second difference engine. This new machine would only have 8,000 parts. Even though it had fewer parts, it was much more ambitious than the first difference engine. This device would be able to store previous results for later use. It would become the very first computer memory. The device was also designed to stamp out its results on a metal plate, thus becoming the world's first computer printer. Unfortunately, Babbage's second difference engine was never built during his lifetime. He ran out of money, and the truth was he was far more interested in designing these engines than in actually building them. The Science Museum of London actually built his second difference engine in 1991. It had all 8,000 parts, and it's 11 feet long and weighs 5 tons. The first calculation which was run on it was calculated out to 31 digits. While Babbage was supposedly working on the second difference engine, he came up with a much better idea, a much more general computer. The difference engines were basically an abacus on steroids. The new device could do much more, including run simple programs, which included loops and conditional logic. He called the device the analytical engine. The analytical engine had four parts the mill which was the mechanical part that did the actual calculations, the store, where information was recorded, the reader, which took data from punch cards, and the printer, which recorded the results. And if any of this sounds familiar, it's because it has all the basic components of a modern-day computer. The mill is the CPU, the store is the memory, the reader is the keyboard, and the printer is the output. The use of punch cards actually originated in something called a jacquard loom, the cards were used to determine the type of weave that the loom would create. To give you an idea of how much more ambitious the analytical engine was, Babbage planned for the engine's memory to house numbers that were as large as 1,050 digits. Unlike the difference engine, the analytical engine would be steam powered and not just turned by a crank. Enter into the story Ada Lovelace. Ada Lovelace was actually born Ada Byron, and she was the daughter of the poet Lord Byron. She was an extremely talented mathematician. She was encouraged by her father to study mathematics, which was discouraged for most women at that time. She met Babbage when she was only 17 years old and proved a receptive audience to his ideas about his difference engine. Years later, she ended up translating one of Babbage's papers into French, which greatly impressed Babbage. She worked in collaboration with Babbage, and her ideas actually went far beyond what even Babbage was considering for what a computer could do. She thought that the engine, quote, might act upon other things besides numbers. The engine might compose elaborate and scientific pieces of music of any degree of complexity or extent, end quote. Ada Lovelace is often called the world's first computer programmer, and she was widely responsible for publicizing and raising the profile of the analytic engine. Sadly, Ada died at the young age of 36 in 1852, but she will be the subject of a future episode. For the rest of his life, Charles Babbage kept working on his analytic engine. His problem was a lack of funding and expertise with machining parts, and the fact that he was still more interested in the theoretical than the practical. He did eventually build a small part of the analytical engine, but that was all he ever managed. He died in 1871 at the age of 79. After his death, his son Henry advocated for the construction of the engine. In 1878, the British Association for the Advancement of Science noted that the engine was, quote, a marvel of mechanical ingenuity, and that it would have been an incredibly useful and valuable machine. However, they recommended against building it because they honestly had no idea how much it would cost to build. Babbage's attempt at building his first difference engine went massively over budget, and no one had ever built a machine like this before. Henry Babbage worked on the machine intermittently from 1880 to 1910. He managed to build parts of the mill, and from that, he could calculate different multiples of pi. As of my recording this episode, a fully working version of Babbage's analytic engine has never been built. There was a crowdfunding effort towards building one in 2010, but so far nothing has been done. One of the problems is that Babbage's plans for the machine are simply very difficult to decipher. Even though the analytic engine has never been built, The work done by Charles Babbage has significantly impacted the development of computers and computer science in the 20th century. Vannevar Bush, who pioneered mechanical computers in the 20s and 30s, explicitly acknowledged the work of Charles Babbage in his efforts. The electronic computers which were eventually developed were based on the models that were explicitly outlined in Babbage's Analytic Engine. The Analytic Engine has found a place in many steampunk works of fiction. In one story, Sherlock Holmes was actually a program that ran on the engine which solved crimes. There is, of course, no practical purpose for building an analytic engine today. The worst computer that you could buy would still be trillions of times more powerful. However, there is a part of me that would love to see it built. It would be a great work of mechanical art and a testament to the genius of Charles Babbage. Everything Everywhere Daily is an Airwave Media podcast. The associate producers are Thor Thompson and Peter Bennett. I want to tell everyone about a new and fun way you can support the show. I finally have all the pieces in place, and I'm ready to unleash it on all of you. It's called Value for Value, and it's a way to support the show as well as to directly send messages to me at the same time. First, you need to be using a modern podcast app that supports Value for Value. You can find them at newpodcastapps.com. And from this episode on out, you will always be able to find that link in the show notes of every episode. Podcast apps that support Value for Value include Fountain, Castomatic, and Breeze, as well as others. And they're available on both iOS and Android. These apps will allow you to send micropayments in Bitcoin over the Lightning Network. Fractional Bitcoin, as small as 1 100 millionth of a Bitcoin, is called a Satoshi, or a Sat and the current exchange rate is about $1 for every 2,500 sats, depending on when you happen to be listening to this. If you send a message along with your sats, it's called a boostogram. and if you send me one, I'll read your boostogram on the show. Normally, I read reviews, but you can only really leave a review once. With a boostagram, you can send as many as you want. The best part is that the message and the sats go directly to me with no one in the middle. Nobody takes a cut, and I literally have a window open on my desktop as I work to get notified of incoming boostograms. So long as you have a lightning wallet, this will work from any country in the world. As this is brand new and I'm just launching this, I don't have a ton of boostograms yet, but I do have a few from one of the main developers on the Podcasting 2.0 project, Dave Jones, who is a regular listener to the show. He recently sent me 2,112 sats after the episode on the tomb of Alexander the Great. He said, the biblical prophecies relating to Alexander the Great have always fascinated me. They are very compelling, especially relating to his conquests of Tyre and Sidon. He also sent another 2112 sat boost after the episode on the Hungatonga Hungahapai eruption, saying, Okay, here's a boost just for saying this impossible name to say. Good one, Gary. Well, thank you, Dave, and thanks for the sats. Remember, if you leave a review or send me a boostogram now, you too can have it read on the show.